Welcome to Hear Women Tell. I'm your host, Chris Hillenberg. Uh, this is where we interview professional storytellers and get the story behind the story. Today we have a special guest. Um, Judith Black is a shaper, maker, and teller of tales. Her work has been featured over five times at the National Storytelling Festival, and she's performed in stages as far-reaching as the Montreal Comedy Festival, the Smithsonian Institution, and the Hebrew University in uh, Jerusalem. She's won the Circle of Excellent Award from the National Storytelling Network, the Gold Medal Family Entertainer of the Year from Boston Parents Papers, and Judith, this goes on and on and on. Boring, isn't it? <laughs> blah, I would say that. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but it's, you really have amassed quite a, a body of work. I know that you've been a storyteller for, what, over 30 years? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get started in storytelling? You know, I couldn't hold a straight job. <laughs> Go ahead, laugh. <laughs> have, have you ever have you ever um, contracted a tick or a headache and not known what was causing it? Oh yes. Okay. So I had a wonderful job. I was working as a teacher at a preschool program. It was a longitudinal study for infant and toddler growth in Brookline. Should have been blessed to have such great work right out of college, and I kept getting headaches. And the only time they went away is when I was working with this professional theater troupe at night in Boston. Hmm. And so my body was saying to me something that the brain did not want to acknowledge, which is, this is not your work. You're not happy in this work. You need to leave this work. And nobody wants to leave something that seems secure and sane and that all the grown-ups in your life say, oh, my God, that's wonderful. Right, You're right. going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I started touring with Little Flags Theater Company, and we did a lot of work with, uh, with children that involved some storytelling. And when I had worked as a teacher, I made up stories for kids in, the kids in my class all the time, just for fun. And I thought I was, of course, reinforcing learning, pre-concrete operational skills, you know, mm-hmm. recall, sequencing, all those wonderful things. Um, and learned when I did home visits that the stories stayed with them. And one of the mothers owned a bookshop, a woman named Rusty Browder, the children's bookshop in Brookline Village. Mm-hmm. And she said, will you come tell stories at the bookshop? I thought, well, sure, why not? And one thing led to the other, and I realized, oh, my goodness, what a joy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, unlike theater, you can create or share material that you believe powerfully in instead of just any script that someone gives you. Two, you get to communicate, you know, without that fourth wall with the people in front of you. Three, you get to empower people around their issues. And four, you hope they will take this home and they will start telling their own stories about their lives. Right, 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 absolutely. So, uh, so storytelling for you... It has a, do you feel like it has a purpose and a meaning? I mean, uh, why do you tell your stories? Uh, you tell stories some of them you tell them because you have to tell them they come to you and they say okay I'm yours to tell you know so I used to read my son this story at night called Wagon Wheels and it was about the first black family in Nicodemus Kansas Hmm. and I'd break into tears every time I got to the end of the story and my son would get to the point he'd go mommy don't read that one you make me embarrassed (laughs) but that story said 
tell me? You know, it's like, I, I write most of my own material, but I contacted the author and I said, may I please tell your story? And she said, sure, just tell people I wrote it and Trophy Press published it. And, and sometimes a story calls to you mm. that way. And sometimes it comes to you. And sometimes it's the story of someone who, who needs to stay alive, mm. you know, in people's lives. Or it's the story of you working out a very important issue in your own life that you think will empower other people to work through the same issue in theirs. Right. Because um, I know you do stories for, uh, there's a, a story that you tell of adult children of parents. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, hang on, listeners. I believe Judith had to go attend to something. I'm sure she'll be right back. Hang on. I used to live with my good friend, Anna Wojcik, and the two of us joked about who burnt more pans. <laughs> because we'd put something on the stove and something else would start to happen. And you completely forgot. And I kept smelling something, and it was the banana juice from the crushed bananas that I'd put on to boil down. I kept saying, God, the house smells too good. There's nothing in the oven. What does that smell? It was my pan burning with oh, no. banana juice in it. Okay, sorry. Okay. Oh, that's too funny. Okay, my brain is all with you now. Okay, thank you. <laughs> So you, t- you tell this, you tell uh, the story of the with the one adult children of parents. Yeah, it's and then a you, comedy. Of, yeah, go ahead. It's a comedy about dysfunctional families, or basically, you think, "Am I doomed to raise my child the way I was raised?" Mm. And the thing is, unless you explore your life, you certainly are. You know, the first time you hear your mother coming out of your mouth, you go, "Oh my God." How did she get in there? <laughs> right. <sighs> and then so, you do you do this uh, looking for God's, God's doorbell. Doorbell. What's that about? That was when it was time for my son to become a bar mitzvah. I had to think seriously about why it was so important for me that he do this. Because as a kid, like most of us in early adolescence, I'd been completely alienated from the religion of my birth. Mm-hmm. You know, we all are. So then we, you know, we go shopping. And if you're Catholic, you know, you shop at the Buddhist store. If you're Buddhist, you shop at the Calvinist store. If you're Calvinist, you shop at the Unitarian store. You know, everyone's looking for something that will give a structure to their lives. And whatever you grew up with, you know is not the right one because you've seen so much hypocrisy within it. Right. So... And there I am, pushing my kid like a fat drunk up a narrow flight of stairs who so <laughs> does not want to do this. Right. And, and so I had to really explore what it was about Judaism that I had learned to love and wanted to pass on to him so that we could do this in a wholehearted way. So it's a very funny story about alienation and embracing and pushing your kids through things. I mean, he would look at me and go, Mom. Do you want to tell me again why I have to do this? Right. And you go through all the age-old stuff. Honey, this is your unbroken chain with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, Zilpah, and Bilha, mm-hmm. if you want to do the whole family. Mm-hmm. Mom, that, what? Honey, when you, when you become a bar mitzvah, you will command an entire congregation and lead them in a service that you can practice anywhere in this world. You will be able to participate with Jews. Any, Mom, oh, honey, please, it's for your grandfather. Mom. And finally, the ultimate one. Mom, why do I have to do this? So that when you rebel, you'll become an ethical humanist instead of a fundamentalist. Just get to work. (laughs) Oh, that's great. You you do another one here called Retiring the Champ. Yeah. What's that? 
it uh, was about helping my mother-in-law die with Alzheimer's. Mm. And my husband's mother, she used to bite horseshoes in half and then spit them out in the shape of bullets for fun and entertainment. Mm. She was the toughest woman on two feet, the firstborn immigrant child of an Eastern European family who negotiated everything for her family, you know, from the tenants' contracts to the shopping list. You know, she's with immigrant families, it's the firstborn children who learn the language, who learn right. the culture. And Trina was an A plus type personality. Mm. So you wanted her as a friend. You wanted her as a comrade. You wanted her as an advisor. You didn't want her as your mother. Right. You know <laughs> Right. I, I think she was wiping their butts till they went off to college. And um and both of both of her boys really didn't want to have anything to do with her. And so this is, this is why you have a significant other in your life. They negotiate your family for you mm-hmm. because your family presses all of your buttons. So you marry somebody, male or female, don't matter. They negotiate your family for you. And when it came right down to it, we had this hysterical fight, which in the story is a, box, it's a boxing match in our kitchen. And in this corner, weighing in at six, at a hundred, at two hundred and forty pounds, standing at six foot four, the king of wit, intellect, and denial, which is not a river in Egypt. Let's hear it for Micah. <laughs> in this corner, standing at five foot nine, completely unwilling to give her weight in public, the queen of guilt, obligation, and drama. Let's hear it for Judith. Okay, let's keep the punches above the waist. Let's rumble. <laughs> Michael, we need to have a serious talk about your mother. Well, what about her? Black begins with some gentle jabs. Honey, don't you think we should move her up here? Elkin? Elkin starts to dance right around the issue. No, I don't think so. So we have this fight, and I win. And we bring her up to live, not with us, he would have killed her, but in the neighborhood. And the story is literally a template for the last three years of someone's life and helping them through it. Hmm. But thematically, it's about redemption. Hmm. Because my husband learned to love his mother. Right. You know, he stopped being the little boy, and he started to see her as a grown-up. And he came to appreciate a pretty remarkable woman. So it was a gift. Mm-hmm. And and I shaped the story because I think a lot of us are alienated from members of our family. Oh, I think all of us are, yes. to some degree, for sure. So it's, a, so it's an interesting way to, because it's common for everyone, really, to have some friction with your family. So this story, really, I could see is a, a great way to tell a common story. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, you don't want to leave it on a dress. <laughs> the people in the hereafter, but you know. Right, right, right. Uh, well, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back with Hear Women Tell with Judith Black. And stay tuned.
This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. Hi folks, this is Private Investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code A. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, your host. This is where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. And today we're talking to Judith Black. So to continue, Judith, tell me about That Fading Scent. A seditious comedy about women and age. Mm. So I didn't think it was going to be any big deal getting old. I mean, were you hot when you were young? Well, more than I am now. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, if you were hot, you're going to miss it when you get old. But I always figured, if hot is not what you got by on, how much can you miss it? Right. I was wrong. I had no idea how subtle sexuality is and how much it influences your life. Because at 50, I came down with a jungle disease. That's the only way to describe it. And... uh, I don't believe in Western medical practitioners, you know, not like our parents' generation. You might as well put your money in a one-armed bandit in Vegas. So in, instead, I go for chiropractic and meditation and herbs and acupuncture, and nothing helps. So I finally go to see my doctor. I go, doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. I greet the sun with all the joy of a vampire. <laughs> I, I'm as ambitious as an alcoholic walked in a liquor store. I cry. I cry all the time. I cry when I see lost kitties, sad children, Sarah Palin. Well, everyone cries when they see Sarah Palin. (laughs) Doctor, what's wrong with me? Now, my doctor, he does not say, put on the ugly green Johnny or let me take some blood. No. My doctor says, I know what that is. I can prescribe something. Dear God, I've been going to the most brilliant diagnostician in the Western world, and I'd waited this long. Was I crazy? (laughs) Doctor, what's wrong with me? Well, you're depressed. Depressed? No. Chris, I shouldn't have been depressed. 
My kid was out of adolescence, was a real human being. I have a great husband, good work. Depressed? Yes, yes, don't worry, I can prescribe something. Okay. Now, I'm an organic gardener. Do you garden? Uh, I plant flowers. Well, okay. If you have, let's say, an invasive taproot, do you want to throw chemicals on it or do you want to pull it out? Oh, it's being pulled out. Yes, so that was that informed what I thought was a very innocent question. Doctor, shouldn't we figure out why I'm depressed? And the little 34-year-old whippersnapper actually <laughs> pats my hand and says, no, no, all women your age go through this. Just let me prescribe something. As a child of the 60s, I believe profoundly that drugs are for recreation, not maintenance. (laughs) So I prescribed something for myself, a new Western medical practitioner, and decided that if life was leaving me in this state, it was time to observe it. Right. And thus, that fading scent. Oh, that's great. Which is three stories, two rants, and a song, all about coming to the other side. Right. Basically, you know, the other side of your sexuality. And how it's both it can be both incredibly sad and scary and very empowering. Right. I know that your work has a, a real edginess to it and um and it's really a, you know a matter of um I don't know. You you handle it mostly with comedy, and and uh, when you tell stuff that's really kind of it, it can go. Some people could be, you know, offended by it, or 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 uneasy by some of the things that you talk about. But you have a way of doing it that um, I think you kind of have been talking about responsible storytelling. Mm. And uh, I wonder how you do that. How do you take something that can be. Uh, kind of controversial and in a story make it something that can communicate hmm oh boy well you can always safely make fun of yourself Hmm. you can't make fun of someone else and the times that that I've done that one gets in not only horrible trouble you don't feel good about it right it's not what's going to improve your world so I mean and that's been a lesson really hard learned you know, once you've alienated enough people, you think, well, 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 that certainly didn't work, did it? <laughs> right. And and also, when you're looking at an issue, it you look at it as if you had a crystal in your hand. And you look at one edge, and then throw it up and look at it from a different direction, and then a different direction, and then a different direction. And stop taking yourself so bloody seriously, mm. and know that we all just end up as dust, and and play play with those different perspectives and see what can happen. Hmm. Right, right, right. Well, tell me something. Um, you've been a storyteller for thirty years. What's what? What is the best storytelling advice you've ever received? <laughs> it was from Heather Forrest. The first time I ever went to the national festival, she said, "Pick the outfit you're going to wear ahead of time." <laughs> is that what she said? Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. It'll save you a lot of angst and time. Oh, and did, and did that help you? Oh, yes, oh, enormously. Good. Oh, great. Now, <laughs> speaking of the National Storytelling Festival, you know, um, I'm kind of curious as to what would be your fantasy storytelling festival. Oh, thank you for asking. 
I am so tired of everybody from an ethnic or racial background having to tell the wise and witty stories of their people. I want to see something called Warts and Shadows, hmm. where we all tell about the dark side of our people. Because, one, I, my guess is we're going to find out we share a lot. Right. And what we don't share, we'll come to understand. But when all you put forth is your very best, shiniest, you know, most knowledgeable, wisdom-filled foot, it's, I mean, do you like people who smile all the time, Chris? Well, it's pleasant. It's pleasant, but do you trust them? No. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was a really quick answer. No, I don't trust them. (laughs) I want to know what's really going on. What are your real responses? So we are so... We're so hard about being politically correct and not telling anything that would involve a cultural stereotype, we forget the cultural stereotypes came from someplace. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm I'm getting ready to tell to an elder hostel group at Smith College, Mm -hmm. and it's an elder hostel group from New York. And as my hu- my husband's first wife's family was from Tennessee, and they used to say New York Jew was one word. New York Jew, <laughs> New York Jew. So, so these folks from New York were New York Jews, but I don't know if they were all Jewish, but you know, it was definitely, the, it was, that was the style. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting to go on. And as I stand in the wings, it's watching anti-Semitism in the making. Hmm. Because here are these very sweet Smith College girls. You know, most of them are white Anglo-Saxon Protestants in this case. They're staying to earn a little extra money in the summer. And the folks they are serving are asking for what they want in clear, loud, simultaneous voices. Hmm. Excuse me, darling, is this, uh, this is margarine. I definitely have to have butter. Margarine, I wouldn't, don't. Honey, honey, this is freezing. Do you always serve your food freeze? Excuse me, I, de- I need decaf. I know this isn't decaf. And they're coming off, and as they come off the floor, you know, it starts with, these people are so demanding. These people are so pushy. These Jews are so pushy. And I'm thinking, oh, jeez, I've got to speak up for my people. Or else something horrible is going to happen here. And here's the thing. They were demanding. And they were pushy. So I said, women, women, I know they are a hard group. They really are hard. But most of these people, you have to know, they were not born here. They come from places where they were never protected by Mm. laws or kings or borders. They came to a land where they had to do nothing but fight for everything they had. They had to fight the law. They had to fight the housing system. They had to fight for every right they had. And one of the girls looks at me and says, I understand, but don't they know they can relax now? (laughs) And the answer was, no. Right, right. Um, But there's a reason people are the way they are. And I think if we had, you know, a wonderful festival called Warts and Shadows, instead of denying those sometimes, you know, unpleasant truths, we'd at least understand them and right. have a much truer tolerance and understanding of each other. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you, your storytelling ideas, I'm guessing that you have probably created hundreds of stories. And I'm guessing that if I ask you where your storytelling ideas come from, you're probably going to say everywhere. 
<laughs> because you seem like the type of person who really sees stories all around you. Is that true? Well, you can or you cannot. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can happen is something can happen and it just happens. But sometimes things stay with you. Hmm. And if something stays with you and you don't know why, that should say to you, this needs to be shaped. Hmm. And it's never a whole story. It's understanding why it has stayed with you and how it has impacted you that makes it into story. Hmm. You know, so a lot of the stories about, for instance, raising my son, it, it came not from the joy of raising a child. It came from the quandaries and the tsuris, which means misery, um, and the questions. And he, he has grown up to be one of the most wonderful humans. But it was hard. I mean, as a single parent, it was hard. He mm-hmm. was a kid who pushed back. It was hard. There were places that just weren't comfortable. And trying to understand why they were and what we did with them makes stories that resonate for other people in those situations. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I know that, um, well, I was going to tell you about this. Uh, in 1994, I was traveling uh, to see my twin sister who lived in Hudson, Mass. And I, I heard you on the radio. And you were telling a story about a fellow who w- had a uh, coffee group that he met with. And he um, was late one day. And when he finally came in, he was white as a ghost. And they asked him why he was late. And he said, I dreamed I died and I went and I met God. Do you, do you remember this story? It's the story of Rebzisha. Yeah. Well... I'm not going to give the story away, but... Um, well, why not? Okay, I will. So in the end, God asks him certain questions, and he answers these questions, and then at the end, God says, you failed at the one and only thing that only you could do, and he said, what? And God said, to be yourself. Yeah. I, I I had to pull off the road, Judith. And I remember right exactly where I was, right where 417 goes under 495 <laughs> in Hudson and, and actually in Bolton and there's an old graveyard there and I pulled over and I was astounded I had never heard storytelling before oh. so uh, the next year as it turned out um, I ended up taking a storytelling class from Linda Goodman that she offered at Asabet Regional Vogue Tech. And the next year, I was doing the Olio at the Three Apple Storytelling Festival. Yay! <laughs> so I always say that my very first exposure to storytelling was hearing you tell on the radio for advertising the Three Apple Storytelling Festival. And you need to know, I heard that story first from my old friend Doug Littman. And the real gems get passed around from one cover to the next. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back with Judith Black on Hear Women Tell. Hi, my name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. That's galore. 
Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbies, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver, Life is Good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats Galore at Barefoot.com. Hi, this is Deb Coletti, and I am your host of Life on Purpose, a radio show where I'll be having conversations with a wide range of fascinating women who are, in my opinion, leading a truly rich life. We will laugh, we will cry, we will sometimes get very serious. It will get edgy. It will definitely be irreverent and uh, no, no subject off limits. Tune in to hear where we go and even join in the conversation. Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. on the Hear Women Talk Network. Hi, this is Jessica Dorvage, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. I'm Chris Hillenberg, your host. Today we're talking to Judith Black to get the story behind the story. Judith, you must be working on something new. I am. (laughs) A new show for the Salem Theater Company uh, in Salem, Massachusetts. It's going to open at the end of this month and run for three weekends. Oh, great. It's called Bittersweet Midnight Wounds Walks on the Dark. (gasps) So it's for Halloween? Yes. Ooh. First half is about witchcraft. Ooh, that old devil moon. And then the second half about women's appetites. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, right, you can think whatever you want. Right, anyway, right. so uh, I want to tell you as far as we can get in 12 minutes of a new story called Hungry. Okay. The last thing in the world that Edie and Alicia wanted was to have to work with each other. But the president ended the meeting with, okay, Edie and Alicia, you both have opinions on the new flooring. You are now the Community Center Entryway Floor Research Committee. Meeting adjourned. Shit. Edie wondered if the absolute terror didn't show in her face. (laughs) She, oh. I mean, she and Alicia lived in the same community. But one time... She had hidden in the tarp aisle of the local Ace Hardware so she wouldn't bump into her. And there, hiding underneath one of the great plastic pieces, she she, she did her usual self-talk. I can't believe this. I cannot believe. I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown-up. I'm the mother of three. I'm the wife of a wonderful man. I'm pursuing a master's degree in social work. Why am I hiding from a woman I barely know? Oh, God. Well, the truth is, if I... 
accidentally bumped into her, I could break her in half. If I tripped and fell on her, my God, I, I'd flatten her. She'd become a cartoon cutout. The local paper would say, elephant woman squashes local femme fatale. <laughs> I go to court for obesity abuse. Oh, I have to get a grip. I've got to get a pinhole of rationality. Why do I feel like a dumb cow around her? A dumb cow does not send two children to Ivy League schools and have a third who just won a National Merit Scholarship. She doesn't keep books for her husband's dentistry practice. She does shit my arm weighs more than she does. And I know she thinks I'm disgusting. Now let me tell you, just for the books, she's not completely crazy. At the meeting when the Duncan Munchkins went around at the, at the top, Edie was carefully looking at how many people took so she could be at the high end without being over the top. When the basket came to Alicia, she held up her arm as if to touch them would be to touch something radioactive, making Marsha on one side pass them to Abe on the other. God forbid sugar and starch would touch her dual-colored lips. And as the basket went around, it really was not just Edie. She wondered how people could be so lax as to eat deep fried sugared starch. It was the work of the devil. <laughs> well, Alicia was bullshit about being volunteered for more work. I can't believe he did this. I mean, I'm a single mother of two teenage girls. My ex skipped town. I have no child support. A full-throttle interior design business and a rigorous physical regimen. I... I have no time to screw up something else in my life. Oh, Mother will love this. I get to be on another committee. It'll raise my cachet in the community. And I have to work with that cow, Edie, and her eternal denims and opinions. Oh, I am such a bitch. <laughs> oh, well. I guess married women don't have to stay looking their best. A privilege I cannot afford. Okay, put on your face, Alicia, and do it. Alicia tossed her blonde streaked hair against the silk scarf and lifted her large gray eyes made ever bigger by the protruding cheekbones and the carefully applied makeup. Edie! Edie, looks like we're elected to make this place trend-setting. Uh, uh, you know, I think what they're looking for more is maybe something that can deal with a lot of rough-and-tumble abuse. Well, maybe we'd get more people coming here if things looked a little better. Um, how do you want to do this? Well, my, my brother-in-law owns a, owns a place and a flooring company, and we could call him, but, well, and you know I'm an interior decorator, so why don't you just price a couple? Well, I, 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 think, I think we should use union. You know, we should make sure that it's union-made. Well, no compute. Well, it's just it's a community center, and we should make sure local guys set it in and that, that we buy. You know, all right, look, you get two politically correct quotes. I'll look into the evil empire, and we'll talk to each other in a couple of weeks. Okay, now, I have got to run, and I mean run. <laughs> I was at a lunch meeting today, and they made me eat lunch, something I never do. I feel like a balloon getting ready to burst later. Now, I'll tell you the truth. Alicia usually would not have shared that much information with anybody, for Edie, she thought it was like a public service announcement. <laughs> On the way home, they both felt enormous anxiety. And who could they talk to about it? About how uncomfortable they were working with each other. Alicia had two teenage daughters in the full metal jacket of adolescence. Annie, her older one, was popular, like Alicia had been, had a sleek physique, which she accomplished, like her mother, through rigorous self-denial and, well, puking when no one was watching, which she learned recently from a website is also called Purging. Annie preferred that. It, it seemed so much more romantic. <laughs> I'm purging all the sins in my body. Her 16-year-old Taylor 
had cut her hair so short she looked like a boy. She joined the alternative newspaper, played goalie on the hockey team, and would torture her mother by eating Reese's peanut butter cups in front of her. Alicia's own mother, the queen of the town, said, Alicia, you have got to do something about Taylor. Chubby girls are not happy girls. She will be snubbed. But every attempt Alicia had made, now Taylor, it's a health issue. Taylor would book no criticism from her mother. Maybe if you would at least wear some slenderizing clothes. And with this, her 16-year-old turned towards her, grabbed the sleeve of her shirt, and ripped it right down the entire arm. (laughs) There, Mom, do I look fashionable now and stylish? Oh, Lord. Taylor was her problem child. And she knew she had failed her in some way, but she couldn't figure it out. Maybe she could talk to Annie about working with Edie. Maybe, no, the therapist had said that that was parentifying her children. Run. Just run. She just had to do her three-mile run and sweat it out. Now, Esther on the way home. Oh, God. She was no happier about this. And she looked longingly at the Wendy's drive through Oh, that would be so nice. But who could she talk to about working with Alicia? I mean, her family, the drive through it was calling to her, a double burger and a Frosty. But her family was so anxious about her weight, she couldn't eat at home anymore. But it would make her feel so much better. Why did she feel like a stupid cow around this woman? I mean, beyond running her husband's business and being in graduate school, having brilliant children, she was the epicenter for a large extended family. I mean, she housed, fed, and emotionally supported and transported elderly relatives, children, cousins, almost a stupid cow couldn't do all that. Lord, she wanted a double burger and Frosty. Why? Why, when that woman looks at me, do I feel so... Who can I talk to about it? Three years ago, her husband had said to her, Look, honey, I love you. If you want to do something about the weight, I'll support you, but I cannot listen to you be cruel to yourself about it. It's been 20 years. Please learn to love who you are and stop being mean to yourself. Well, she couldn't go to him. She'd been lying to her friends for so long. Oh, no. Wait, I just like to eat. What are you going to do? But food, food was such a reliable comfort. And without remembering having made a single turn or saying anything, a bag was suddenly coming out of a takeout window and being balanced precariously on her lap. Hmm. How are we doing? That's great. So this is a story in the making, right? Yeah. Well, where are you going with it eventually? Well, if you know the end at the beginning, it's not going to be a very good story. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what you're going to call it? Hungry. Oh, very good. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. You know, um, I love the way you go back and forth between characters. Could you hear them? I could. Okay. I could. And I, as a matter of fact, I, can, I actually, because I am a very visual person, I actually mm-hmm. picture these two. And your descriptions were very helpful, too. But, I mean, I can visually picture them in my mind, which I think is the real goal of storytelling. Oh, good. Uh, yes, very good. Um, Judith. 
why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Oh, they can call or they can email. They can go to my website, which is storiesalive.com. Okay. And, and I'm jb at storiesalive.com. Okay. You have something. Uh, so Tidal Wave Productions, that's your what you publish your... your right. That's what I publish under. my work under. I said I saw you were the head honcho of that. <laughs> <laughs> and you are also, I noticed that you were also, you also volunteer at the Salem Mission. Every fourth Thursday, we just cooked there. Made a delicious chicken stew. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it your I kitchen? A- is it your kitchen? No, it's uh, the Salem Mission. It's no, 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 but I mean, is it your kitchen when you walk in there? Oh, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> we have a crew of anywhere from, from three to seven, but I'm the boss. <laughs> I want to tell people, too, that I uh, went to your website and poked around, and, and I read your newsletter, and it's wonderful. The newsletter's okay. wonderful. I, you know, uh, I learned a lot about you, and I learned a lot about um, what's going on in your life, and it was also very entertaining. So, it's it's really a great site to go to, and um, uh, I think that's all we have for today. But I just want to thank you for for being here. I, oh, I thank I you. Could listen to you forever, Judith. Oh. Really, and uh, I'm just so uh, happy that you decided to join us today. Well, all the CDs and DVDs are available at Stories Alive. And if you ever come up, come visit. Oh, I will. Actually, I'm planning on coming up uh, a year from Thanksgiving. I know it's a long time to plan. That's a long plan. It is. My twin sister still lives in Marlboro, Massachusetts. So I'm coming up to see her and to visit the Cape. But anyway, uh, this is Chris Hillenberg uh, at Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers. And stay tuned. Next, we'll have Linda Goodman with News and Reviews. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Sabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy's Hibachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Hi folks, this is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code 
WHWT. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. I'm your host, Chris Hillenberg, where we interview professional storytellers to learn the story behind the story. And now it's time for our reviews uh, segment with Linda Goodman. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, Judith Black, what a wonderful storyteller. Yeah. I know you. We're big fans of her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and as you know... Uh, she was the first professional storyteller I ever heard, and I, it was actually in the. I was in the car on the, and it was on the radio, years and years ago. Uh, she was actually doing a piece uh, to advertise the Three Apple Storytelling Festival, and that was the first time that I actually had heard a professional storyteller. So she's really, in many ways, uh, you know, at the heart of you know how I got started. Mm, well, you know, I uh, I first heard Judith at my first visit to the Three Apple Storytelling Festival. Uh, I had just gotten started as a professional storyteller, and she was emceeing the Saturday morning show. And she was such a wonderful emcee. And I didn't know any of these storytellers' names, you know. That meant nothing to me. I was totally new. And I walked up to her, and I said, you're so good at this. You should be doing professional storytelling. <laughs> and she looked at me and smiled and said, I'm Judith Black. And I said, nice to meet you. I had no idea. You know, oh. years later, I think back to that, and I just blush. Oh, <laughs> you know, I did something similar, too. Uh, uh, the first uh, um, uh, Three Apple Storytelling Festival that I was at, they, someone came down to the volunteer tent and said, we need somebody to run the projector. For Diane, uh, how do you pronounce it? Ferlotti? Ferlotti? Ferlot? Ferlot is what I, okay. It's what I've always said. Yeah. And I, I'm like, okay. So, you know, I don't know who this person is. And I talked to her and, uh, she tells me she'll give me cues to do the slides and stuff. And, um, so I, you know, I'm up in the, above in the balcony. I'm running the slide projector and it's very great, you know, and I'm, so I go up afterwards and I said, that was, awesome that he's wonderful and she goes well thank you for doing the projector i'm like no i really enjoyed it and i really you know had a good time and i walk away and i can't remember who it was came up to me and said don't you know who that is (laughs) and i'm like no (laughs) you know and uh they said well that she's the uh, poet laureate for the clinton administration Uh, you know know, the u.s uh, poet or not poet laureate but uh storytelling laureate well, and I was I didn't like, even know there was yeah. a storytelling laureate. Yes, and I was like, uh, wow. You know, it's just amazing. You get in these venues, there are these small storytelling festivals or whatever, and you meet people and you have no idea. Yeah, because uh, they're so down to earth. Right, right. So anyway. The big stars in storytelling are very humble. Yeah, I think that's, and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by that because storytelling is such a, a personal, down-to-earth, you know, basic art form. So you can kind of see why, why you know, people are, are, are like that. They just, you know, they lo- yeah. they're doing it because they love storytelling. Absolutely. So anyway, you have a review for us uh, 
for Judith Black. Yes, her new DVD, That Fading Scent. Now, this is no secret. I am a huge fan of Judith Black. She's brilliant, she's funny, energetic, innovative, talented, charismatic, and unapologetically bold. Do you have any adjectives you want to add, Chris? Oh, I could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) As if that were not enough, she is extraordinarily versatile. As many times as I've seen her on stage, she has never been the same person twice. And she takes her audiences through a range of emotions that can leave them contemplative, angry, or ready to rock. Sometimes she leaves me exhausted, but still I want more. Mm. I saw the maiden voyage of Black's one-woman show, That Fading Scent, a few years back at the National Storytelling Conference in Pittsburgh, where it was presented as one of the French performances. Mm -hmm. The performance brought the audience to its feet on several occasions. And those of us who were women of a certain age cheered to at last find a spokesperson who was not afraid to defend our menopausal madness. Yeah. When the show was over, we all danced together. I wanted to shout from the rooftop, we're old, we're bold, get used to it. Uh, (laughs) That show is now available on DVD, consists of three stories, two rants, and a song. In her incredibly funny intro, Black compares seeking advice from mainstream medical practitioners to putting your money in a Vegas slot machine. (laughs) And this transitions smoothly into a rant about the absurdity of forcing oneself to be sexy at 60 when there's so many other things that are more important. Are you listening, AARP? (laughs) We want real people on your covers, not surgical clones. (laughs) Right. The first story on this CD is Three Mothers or Snow White Through the Generations. And this is an intense story of three aging mothers who are watching their own beauty fade just as their daughter's beauty is beginning to blossom. Like the evil fairy tale queen, they cajole, contract, or commission a man to commit homicide. Beauty triumphs, however, and the cycle begins anew. Am I still the prettiest? Youth frantically asks the mirror in the heartbreaking finale. Marjorie's new rain slash rain, that's two different spellings of the word rain, Mm -hmm. is an original fairy tale about an environmentally conscious dame who is suddenly beset by a cloud that stations itself above her head and will not go away. Luckily, three female cloudbusters offer their services and take her to a medieval cottage where they use magical interventions to help her find her compass. Baking, baking, gardening, exercise, and social activism make appearances along the way. A second rant deals with the side effects of hormone replacement therapy and birth control. The audience chants, kill the witch, as a refrain. And I saw this rise to a fever pitch in Pittsburgh. (laughs) Clearly, black has touched upon an issue that some women are more concerned about than eternal youth and beauty. Queen uh, Queen Crone, who wears the pink chemise because at her age it shouldn't matter what her body looks like, brings this DVD to a close. A superhero. She fights supervillains Estragina, middle-aged monster men, you know, 45 or 60-year-old men (laughs) who dump their wives for younger trophy women, Mm -hmm. and pharmaceutical giants, and her, quest, and her quest to make it okay for women to be old. As she flies away from her triumphs, people ask, who was that woman? 
The answer, of course, is our future. Hmm. As good as this DV is, being part of a live audience for this show is an incomparable experience. The good news, Black is willing to travel. If she's not coming to your neck of the woods, find a group or an organization that is able to book her and convince its program chair to do it. Believe me, you won't be sorry. Hmm. Did I mention I'm a huge fan of Judith Black? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Somebody get this woman an HBO special. Absolutely. I agree with you on that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, she deserves one. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda. And uh, I hope you have a great uh, week. And we'll talk to you next week for more uh, okay. reviews. This is Chris Hillenberg um, with Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. And uh, we'll be right back with the news. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest-growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Jessica Dorvage, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers. And now we have our segment with Linda Goodman with News and Reviews. How are you doing, Linda? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm, I'm doing very well. We had a, some big thunderstorms through here today, but, uh, you know, it's calmed down now and the temperature's dropped a little bit. Well, we've gotten some much-needed rain here in the Richmond area. Not enough, but, you know, it's cooled the temperatures down a little bit. Yeah. So what's happening? Well, uh, you know, we have the National Storytelling coming up right, National Storytelling Festival coming up right around the corner, October the 1st through the 3rd in Jonesboro, Tennessee. And they have a great lineup this year. They start off on Thursday night with the um, National Storytelling Concert, National Story Night Concert. Um, the feature tellers this year are going to be Charlotte Blake Austin, Patrick Ball. Love. I mean, he accompanies himself on the harp, and he is just absolutely wonderful. Donald Davis, one of America's favorites, mm. one of my favorites, too. Mm -hmm. Carmen Didi, um, Ethnotech, Poetry in Motion. Andy, Offit, Andy, Andy, I'm sorry, Offit Irwin, who I have not heard, but I hear he's wonderful from the people that have heard him. Kevin Kling, fantastic. I saw him at Sounds of the Mountain Festival. Bill Lapp, for you tall tale lovers. Rafe Martin, John McCutcheon, J.O. Callahan. Mm. Uh, everybody uh, knows J.O. Callahan, everybody in the storytelling community anyway. And he is uh, one of America's finest. 
Michael Parent, Alex Patrix, Corinne Stavish, Diane Wolkstein, Catherine Wyndham, uh, Susie Wapples, or maybe that's Waples. I'm not familiar with her, so I may not be the name correctly. Kim Whitecamp, whom I think you're going to be interviewing soon. Yes. And yes. Bill Miller. And they have their great ghost stories uh, Friday and Saturday night. Wow, that, that's holy smokes! <laughs> well, that, is, that's <laughs> packed. You know, I've never been. I've never been. Well, the National Storytelling Festival in Longsboro in Jonesboro is like the mecca for storytellers, and uh, rooms are sold out. I'm sure it's really hard to uh, get a room this late in in the game. Most people make their reservations about a year in advance, believe it or not. Wow. Those uh, hotels sell, uh, fill up very quickly. But it's worth it. I usually uh, try to stay at the Comfort Inn in Abingdon. It's a little bit of a drive, but it gets you out of the hustle and bustle. Mm. I mean, I, I, I think that's something that I definitely want to do someday. I've just not had the opportunity or the time. I just My understanding is, is they are a very welcoming city for the storytelling event absolutely they put out their best for us you know all the restaurants are open and have plenty of people to serve and um all the stores and boutiques you know they just have the most wonderful one-of-a-kind things in the shops there that you just can't find anywhere else mm. and now, at pretty good prices too oh did it now now, is this like, is it in one location or is it spread throughout the city? Well, Jonesboro is a small town. This is basically on the main street in Jonesboro. Okay. Back behind the shops uh, in tents, you know, about a thousand people in, in a tent. It's, um, it's tough choosing which tent to go to. There's oh. so many wonderful tellers and you can't see them. And you, you, know, you make a good shot at it. I think last year I saw probably about 10 or 12 and and still some of the ones that I missed I heard such wonderful things about that you know I can't wait to get a chance to hear them again wow and and when is that what's the date for that this year that is October the 1st through the 3rd and anybody who wants more information can call 800 952 or you can go online to www.storytellingcenter.net and center is spelled E-R not the R-C-R-E that we sometimes see oh okay wow that sounds great I um, I can't hardly now is this the same time every year yeah it's always the first weekend in October okay so if the somebody, first full weekend in October right so if somebody did want to try and make reservations now they could for next year not next year not this year but next year yes okay right. well that's great Linda thanks for sharing that today and uh, we'll talk to you next week cool okay this is Chris Hillenberg with Hair Women Tell where we interview professional storytellers and you get the story behind the story thanks for joining us